When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you to make better financial decisions in your life. In this episode, I've been obsessed with prefabricated homes forever. It's a great way to save money when building a home, and it's actually happening more and more. And also, I got some key information for you if you have life insurance. So to call it an obsession is a strong word, but it is. It drives me bonkers how inefficient our construction industry has been in the United States, that we have failed to adapt to modern technologies that are used routinely elsewhere in the world until now. You know, sometimes really terrible circumstances lead to dramatic innovation. And we're going to see a lot of that as a result of the enormous dislocations of the last couple of years. And one of them is in the construction industry that is stubbornly held on to archaic ways of building things. I really look at how more and more people in the hotel industry and apartment industry in particular have been using modern construction methods where components of a hotel or an apartment building are built in a factory, trucked to site, lifted in by crane. The quality of construction off the charts better. The sound deadening qualities much better because who wants to be in a hotel or an apartment where you get to hear the favorite music of the person next door or you hear their TV blaring. And so you can build better, faster, cheaper building components in a factory. And now because of the runaway cost of homes in the United States, finally we're seeing more and more component building of single family homes. I saw it not too long ago in Arizona where I was at a site where I was watching uh, complete rooms of homes being lowered into place onto slabs. And the speed of completion, ridiculously better. The cost drops typically about 30%. So you get a lower cost build you get a faster build, and dare I say, you get a much higher quality build. In the United States, we've had so much objection to this because people's idea always has been the historical problems of poor quality construction in the mobile home industry. 
And anytime you talk about component building of apartments, hotels, single family homes, people immediately think, oh, what about when I was driving down the road and it looks like those relatively new mobile homes are falling apart? And the mobile home industry has had a problem over the years. Even though new standards have been uh, put in place for the industry, building things that are solid construction, and it has spoiled the image in our country of doing component building. But we've got an affordability problem in the United States to the max. That's why you hear me talk about the 3D home idea, where they come with these fabricators and they can build a home in three days, three days, pouring it out of like this concrete injector moldy thing. And they don't all look the same. They can do really creative architecture. I mean, we in the United States have got to reimagine how we build in order to improve the durability of our homes and the price points. And this is the time. This is the time to rethink it. And what I love about these, Krista, I don't know if you ever, obviously this is something you've heard me talk about mm-hmm. for 25 years, right? I've been excited. You got me excited about it when you first started talking about it. But, you know, watching a component being lifted in and it's like a completely equipped bathroom being lifted into place or a kitchen that's equipped and they lift it into place. Ugh. I mean, it's the coolest yeah. thing. And if you've ever renovated or built a home, you realize how amazing that would be because it takes so long. I think that I'm fortunate that, uh, how many times do you have to get hit in the head before you decide you don't want to get hit in the mm-hmm. head anymore? I think fortunately I've been through my last renovation of my life already. That's, that's not happening again. Okay. So let's go to some questions. Rick in Missouri says, my mother's living with us and feels she must pay us $500 per month. I was thinking of putting this money in an IRA, but the rub is both my wife and I are retired living on Social Security and investments. Would the IRS count this as a gift or income? So this is actually really an interesting question, Rick, because any person is allowed to give any other person, they don't have to be related to them, $16,000 in a year, and no strings attached for the IRS. It doesn't violate gifting rules or anything like that. So this money is not deductible for your mom and it is tax-free for you. It's just a gift she's giving you every month. Uh, You can't, as you said, you pointed out, you can't put it in an IRA. So what would you do with it? Again, it is a non-taxable gift she's giving you. You could put it in an investment account. You could put it in a savings account. You could put it in Series I savings bonds, which are paying phenomenal rates of interest right now that you can buy at savingsbonds.gov. But the money is yours, totally, completely tax-free. From James in Arizona, I'm traveling to London for a 10-day vacation next month. What is the best deal for cell phone coverage? I have Verizon, and they charge $10 a line per day for their travel pass plan. So the first answer is you immediately switch to T-Mobile or to, uh, what's the Google-owned one? Project Fi. Fi. Google Fi. Google Fi for your cell phone service. And then you don't get ripped off using your phone overseas. Um, If it's not a viable option for you 
to switch to a provider that doesn't rip you off when you're outside the United States. The way it works with uh, T-Mobile and with uh, Google Fi is your cell phone service, your data use is, if you're on an unlimited data plan, you have unlimited data when you're overseas. You have unlimited free texting overseas. If you make a phone call, you pay 25 cents a minute to make a phone call. But what I do when I'm outside the United States is I use a variety of apps to be able to do so for free. And if you're on an iPhone, people just use the FaceTime app and they use the iMessage and they stay in touch at no cost. So let's say you feel like you need to keep your service with overpriced Verizon. That's their new name for me. Oh boy. Overpriced Verizon. <laughs> if you feel like you need to keep your service with overpriced Verizon regularly, what you can do if your phone is unlocked, you can buy a one gig data card when you're in England. And so what it means, you do everything on the data side, use the calling apps, whatever, and you will be able to do everything you need to other than have your regular number. As soon as you come back from London, you put your Verizon SIM card back in the phone and you're good to go. And those are the easiest ways to do So by card, you mean like a oh, little a SIM, SIM card, card yeah, you, not a card card. When you go around London or any other European city, and all, it is true really anywhere outside the United States, everywhere you go by will be selling these SIM cards. And this one will say it's, you know, one gig of data is five pounds or one gig of data is seven pounds or whatever, which is like, I guess like $7 or $10, something like that. And so you just buy the data you need and, or you can buy unlimited data typically for about, I think it's about 30 pounds for a month. And you would be able to use the phone all you want while you're there those 10 days. Again, somebody calls your regular Verizon number It'll go to voicemail. You'll be able to check your voicemail. I assume uh, on a Verizon service, you're able to check it through your email or some other way or the data side. So you just basically suspend your service for that time period. Instead of paying 100 bucks per phone to Verizon for just having their day travel pass. What a ripoff from overpriced Verizon. This is from Charlene in Idaho. This is a, a suggestion for people who travel. When my husband and I travel, he uses Google Earth to plan the trip. He can check addresses for hotels, Airbnbs, restaurants, churches, laundromats, stores, or any place else we will need. He checks the building, the neighborhood, the proximity to sites we want to visit. You can make sure there is actually a house to rent and not a vacant lot before you pay money. It won't stop all scams, but it could save you and your wallet from a ruined vacation. Charlene, I love that idea. And particularly with the scams involving rental homes. Mm -hmm. I remember when we had the uh, person who contacted us who'd rented a home, an apartment, I think in Brooklyn, and then they got there and it was a vacant lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a, a real problem with the scamsters on the home rental side. And doing this kind of checking is very interesting. I, I can't tell you how many times I'll travel somewhere and I'm like, I'll be using navigation. And I'm like, I can't find this thing. Where is, where is it? Now that I'm getting scammed, I just am disoriented. 
and planning like that using Google Earth, that's a really neat idea. And for people on iPhones, the new mapping capability from Apple Maps gives you this wonderful street-by-street, address-by-address view. Have you seen no. how that works? It's, it's very, very good. And not good enough for me to switch from being an independent sorted sort Android user, but it's a very impressive thing. And I appreciate the suggestion. Uh, coming forward, I want to talk about life insurance. And the question is, who actually owns your life insurance policy? The answer is probably going to surprise you. There's something that I've been noodling for a while talking about and I've held off, held off because I have not wanted to create unnecessarily alarm anybody by talking about this topic. You hear I'm even stumbling over my words here because, again, I want to alert you to something but not freak you out. Here's what's going on. For a number of years now, I guess for at least the last 10, more and more traditional insurers who sell life insurance and sell that cuss word thing, annuities, have been selling off their risk profile. So what they do is they are like, hey, you know, we're not finding it to be that profitable with these life insurance policies or these annuities. And they just go to the Wall Street crowd and they look for somebody to buy their book of business. They may even still have agents selling the insurance and selling the annuities, but the risk of the policies once they've sold them is held by somebody else. Somebody who may be absolutely solid financially, somebody who may not. And so this is creating a new level of risk and uncertainty for people, and particularly uncertainty because a lot of people who buy insurance products, particularly people who buy annuities, are people that are more afraid of risk. And then all of a sudden you get an inane letter in the mail that says, hey, you know, uh, we have good news for you. Your insurance policy or your annuity is now owned by blah, blah, blah company you've never heard of. And it's no longer owned by your insurer. And this is very potentially unnerving to people. How much should you be worried if you get one of these weirdo letters showing up in the mail saying that your insurance has been sold to this UFO entity that will often be some mysterious private equity outfit or Wall Street firm or something like that? So generally, it's not something you should lose sleep over. It's potentially true that any company that issues you an annuity or a life insurance policy, if they're not solvent, if they're not running a solid business, there's risk for you in it. It's why I always talk about when you buy life insurance or any insurance product, you want to make sure that the company you're buying from is in solid financial shape. And I talk about AM Best and that the AM Best rating should be A double plus. Now, AM Best told the Wall Street Journal in one of the stories about this that 
the private equity houses that buy these books of business tend to engage in riskier investing than the insurers did that owned your policy or your uh, your life insurance or your annuity before, uh, but not like five alarm fire worry or fear. But this is an issue of concern, which brings me to this point, and that is it has become an even better idea to not put too many eggs with any one insurance company basket. And that is probably the most important thing I can tell you about this because this has not led to spectacular collapses of books of business and people aren't getting paid out, their their heirs aren't being paid out their life insurance or people not being paid out for their annuities. But the potential of a little more insecurity with the policies potentially there. So what I'm recommending is that if you're buying life insurance and you're looking at buying a large amount, that you buy policies from more than one company. It raises the cost of insurance a little bit when you do that because there's a policy fee and then the cost for the insurance itself. But let's say you were trying to buy $500,000 in life insurance. It probably is a better idea to buy half of it from one company, half from another, both rated A double plus by AM Best. If you're buying those cuss word products, annuities, buying annuities from various companies instead of one, so that if that one ends up being sold to a shaky or shady private equity outfit that then doesn't have the resources to make the payments like they're supposed to, that you have less money at stake with one particular company, which brings me to another point. There is no FDIC insurance for life insurance or annuities. What happens instead is each state has what are known as state guarantee authorities, associations, or funds. And they will only cover so much value of a policy. In many states, a policy is limited to coverage for an annuity of $100,000, life insurance, it may be a different amount. Knowing that, and it's a pretty simple thing to find out, what is the State Guarantee Association limit in your state for insurance? Knowing that lets you know how much risk you ultimately face if you buy a very large policy or series of policies from one particular company instead of spreading the business around. Again, I've been very, very careful and have taken my time before I've talked about this because I did not want to, if one of these UFO letters shows up in your mailbox, that suddenly you feel like the sky is falling. Sky is not falling, but there is potential enhanced risk, which is why I'm changing recommendations I've made in the past about how to buy insurance, life insurance, and that you want to do business with more than one company because you don't know who is going to decide to bail out a part of their portfolio. So if I started mentioning all the big name, well-known, recognized companies that have been selling off the risk of their policies, 
that would add to the freak out. And I don't want to do that. Krista? Right. Uh, Ganesh actually has a question about term life insurance. He said, my term life insurance that I outlived went from $79 a month to $700 per month. So I had to lose all the money I paid in. So actually, this is the thing with term, the word term. You're buying it for uh, 15, 20, 25, 30 years, and you bought it for that length of term, typically because that's the time period that's key of your working lifetime or key to raising your kids. And so replacement of income for those that depend on you, that's why you buy for that term. So with level term insurance, you reach a point that you run out of the years. And then at that point, you're converted to an annual renewable term at the risk level that you represent at that point. So you've gone from a risk level that when you first bought it, there was 79 a month. Now at an older age, 700 a month. And next year, it'd be higher yet and higher yet. So with term insurance, you haven't actually done anything other than like what you would with a auto insurance policy or a home insurance policy. You have covered yourself for that period of time. It is a fraction of the cost of what's known as permanent insurance or whole life. So you really haven't lost anything other than the ability to continue to insure your life at a great monthly rate. That is over. And I'm hoping, Ganesh, that you're in an age and point in your life that people don't need replacement of income from you. If they do, then term insurance probably when you bought it originally was not the best idea of a purchase. And Ganesh, this just happened to me. And I would say you didn't lose, you won because you did outlive the policy. So I felt like I won too. And I shopped it around because I'm we decided- glad you said that instead of me because I didn't true. want to sound snarky saying, hey, you won. No. You outlived the policy. I won. I won. Okay. Um, but we decided we did want a little more. So we actually bought a 10 year term policy. And if you shop it around, it might be much less expensive than when you're looking. I can't even imagine. I mean, that's, that's definitely not. And what happened with us? So this question's from Rick in Michigan. Can you explain an IUL, Index Universal Life Insurance? I see lots of people selling this product as a retirement fund or a self-bank. Are they a good investment or just an expensive life insurance policy? They are an atrocious and expensive version of a life insurance policy. I don't hate these. I despise them. They are ugly, hideous, awful, terrible products. Put that in your head anytime you see a pitch anywhere for index universal life insurance, variable universal life insurance, universal life insurance. Just remember, anything of that combination, garbage, 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 massive commissions, massive commissions, massive ongoing fees potential tax time bomb later and ultimately you can end up with what are called capital calls they are a terrible 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 idea for everyone except the salesperson who cons you into buying them how do you feel Okay, this is from Stephen in Pennsylvania. I'm sorry, I know a No, I love it. I love it. This is from Stephen in Pennsylvania. I'm an executor on my uncle's estate, and I found stock certificates from about 20 companies. How can I determine if they are worth anything? 
So there are organizations that you can use that will help you determine a value of a stock certificate you have as being still valid or also whether or not an old stock certificate has any value to collectors. I I know that's shocking there's such a thing. But what I'd recommend starting with is stockbrokers can look up the actual stock certificates you have and see if they still are valid and what value they have. Why do stockbrokers do that? They do it because they hope to make a commission selling that for you or capturing your business moving forward from the revenue that those will generate. But if you look for a stock search service or stock certificate search service as a Google term, you will find companies that will do this for you. But I would start with a brokerage because then, at least initially, their search will normally be free. I want you to know the purpose of why we do this is to give you more power, more control in your life. And I hope that we achieve that for you today. I hope we achieve that for you the last podcast you listened to before today. And it is my goal and my hope that I'm able to deliver that to you each and every podcast. And I thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.